0: You're listening to The Fit Habit, where we explore how to stay well and fit well after 40. My name is Karen McGill. I'm the host of the show. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone. It's Karen from The Fit Habit, and I'm so excited to be back with you today. Uh, talking about something that I wasn't expecting to retort, record a podcast on because I am not a self-love guru. <laughs> In fact, um, things that are too squishy and intangible, I struggle with. But Interestingly enough, I learned this week that How to Love Yourself was actually a top trending question on Pinterest. And I thought it was both an interesting question um, to be Googling and also kind of sad that that's what we're asking right now and what seems to be top of mind. Uh, And I think after the year that we've had into isolation and, you know, just surviving on... uh, Tiger King episodes and Instagram feeds, you know, I, I completely understand why that is a trending question. And I thought that I would address it today, uh, both because I have some interesting ideas that are not, you know, bubble baths and manny petties, um, and also because it's it's timely for me as well. And it's not that I'm struggling with whether or not, uh, I love myself cause I have thoughts on that as well, which I'll share with you, but I, I am struggling, um, emotionally. I think, you know, I'm not alone in pandemic fatigue and gratefully I am fully vaccinated now, but that doesn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things. Cause most people still aren't, you know, we're still wearing masks absolutely. And we're still social distancing. And I know that I could still potentially carry, um, the the virus. So I certainly won't be like whipping off my mask and running around kissing people in the face. Um, but even as you know, life starts to open up a little bit more, there's still that sense of inherent loneliness and lack of connection that we've all had over the past year, because oh my god, raise your hand if you're just like so tired of everything being on Zoom. <laughs> ah, So i All that to say, I understand where the question is coming from and I have a lot of empathy and I have some interesting ideas based on things that I've learned very recently um, and just a little bit of context on that. I think I may have mentioned this in the last episode. Um, And I'll also talk about why I haven't done a couple of episodes in a few weeks, um, but I'll do that at the end because I want to stay on topic. Um, I have ADHD. Uh, I've been uh, learned that I've had this probably my entire life. But um, it has really sort of shown up in the last year. So I think that mental illness, I, I don't really want to call it a mental illness. It's not. It's um, ne- They call it um, not neurotypical. So what would that word be? <laughs> the opposite of neurotypical. Uh, neural and uni- unique. There is a term for it that's not coming to my mind right now. Anyway, I feel like, um, you know, just the stress and um, life that we've been living over the past year, a lot of us have been struggling mentally and emotionally. And what has shown up for me is uh, a real struggle with my ADHD. And I'm actually grateful for it because now I know I have it. And um, I'm not on a medication. Uh, I don't know if I'll go on a medication. I'm at the very early stages of this path. Um, but I'm open to it. I'm open to anything that will make my life better and make me feel better. Um, but I'm also empowering myself with learning how to manage ADHD um, and make the best of it because it's not really a disorder, it's more of a trait. That's the way I see it. It's the way a lot of people um, in the medical field see it. Um, Dr. Holloway, uh, Howell, Howell um, is like a pioneer in this field, and he's also about ADHD. Um, He just wrote a book called ADHD 2.0. I highly recommend that you uh, pick that up if you struggle with um, your attention and your focus. Uh, But I'm going to talk about something that is within the context of ADHD, but it's also a broader context. Um, And it is is a brain behavior. It's a brain function that I think all of us can um, fall into. Uh, And I'm going to talk about what it is. Why it happens and how we can work to manage our brains a bit better. Because at the end of the day, when we're feeling sad and lonely and unhappy and feeling like we don't love ourselves, that's something that's going on in our brain and also in our heart. Um, So, when I thought about this question, how to love yourself, I thought about making a list of, you know, what. What makes me feel bad about myself and um, the world that we live in? Because I will say this now. I don't necessarily think we're suffering from a lack of self-love. Self-love, in my opinion, and this is not, you know, fact or theory by any means other than my own, uh, I feel like we do love ourselves or else we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning and we wouldn't show up for work. We wouldn't brush our teeth and we wouldn't have a shower and we wouldn't see our friends and we wouldn't earn a living and we do all of those things whether, you know, it's either habitual or we do even when we don't want to because we love ourselves because we want the best for ourselves. That's I think inherently most human beings and even most people most an, it, creatures within the animal kingdom love themselves enough that they want to live and they want to live a good life. So the very fact that people are googling or searching how to love yourself on Pinterest means that they want something better for themselves and I believe that that comes from a place of self-love. So maybe we're asking the wrong question, you know? Like maybe inherently we do love ourselves and we do want the best for ourselves. And the real question is, how do we stop feeling so crappy about ourselves all the time? And when you spin it around that way, it takes on a different context. And I feel like crappiness, feeling crappy, it's a heart thing, but it's also a head thing, right? Like at the end of the day, our brain or our mind, whatever You know, that really is, which I'm kind of connecting the same thing as your brain, but also, you know, deeper in the context of your soul and your heart and your identity. Um, All of those things are, you know, sourced in the brain. So if that's the case, how do we, the question is, how do we feel less crappy and how do we help ourselves, um, help our brains, you know, in that process of feeling better about ourselves? Um, And to that question, I have a very interesting answer that I bet you've never heard before. Um, But before we get there, I want to take you through the thought journey that I went on this morning as I was preparing for this uh, podcast. What I first did was make a list of all the things that make me feel bad about myself. So when I think about that, I think of um, scrolling on IG, um, Instagram has become um, a, a real source of sadness for me lately, because I guess just over the course of the past year, I miss seeing people in person and I'm tired of seeing people on the screen. And also, you know, Instagram's just feels very like, you know, swipe up to buy this, swipe up to buy that. And the other thing about Instagram that I'm finding a little hard to digest is the dichotomy between stories. So if you imagine, I like watching stories and if you imagine you're flipping through stories and you know, it, it the context of stories goes from you know what somebody's cooking for dinner to what somebody's you know somebody's outfit of the day to stop asian hate to walking your dog to black lives matter to you know some sort of ridiculous political crap that's going on to somebody's cute pink sweater that's on sale at j crew and when you think about like the like the vastness of that from like incredibly shallow things to extremely heavy emotional topics, and you're flipping through them in like a matter of two minutes. I think about how your brain is trying to digest that. It cannot be healthy. And what I've come to learn is it's actually not. <laughs> and it was making me feel really bad about myself. So last weekend, I deleted Instagram from my phone. On I think it was Saturday morning, and I kept it off until probably Tuesday when I had some work things I needed to do uh, on Instagram. So I had to get back on there, um, and I think I'm going to start doing that as a regular thing, just like getting off Instagram on the weekends and just using it very sparingly and intentionally during the week. But I want to get back to my list now. That's just Instagram for me. Um, other things that make me feel sad about or bad about myself and the world I live in is the news. Anything about politics, violence, global destruction, animal or child abuse. Uh, I feel bad when I don't call friends, but that's also self-fulfilling because I don't call friends when I feel bad. I don't want to talk to other people when I'm feeling bad. I'd rather just wallow. <laughs> um, I feel bad when you know a day goes by and I don't work out or move my body. Um, I feel bad when I overeat or overdrink. Uh, when I screw up at work. Um, I just beat myself up, uh, for, you know, just incessantly. Um, if I'm not consistent with work or if I don't feel like I'm, you know, pulling my weight at work, I, I beat myself up and, um, I also feel really bad when I take on too much because I get very overwhelmed and then I crash. I can't do anything because I'm kind of just frozen. And that was just a short list of things that make me feel really, really bad and have made me feel really bad. I've I've been not feeling my best lately, which is why I have not been recording podcasts because I only want to talk through this channel when I'm in a good space, when I, I can share a vibe that's high because I don't want to drag other people down. And also want to have something valuable to say. So I try to get out once a week, but if I don't feel like I have something that's uh, valuable to share, I won't share. So back to my list. Um, I know when uh, what makes me feel good about myself or quote unquote love myself uh, and the world I'm in is when I'm sleeping well. Sleep is so critically important to my mood Um, when I work out and especially when I do yoga. Uh, when I eat foods that are nourishing so not necessarily like oh counting macros and eating clean but eating foods that nourish Um, there's a very different mindset around that like it's not about measuring and volume and and there's time and place for that absolutely but what I've been focusing on right now is is this food going to nourish me or make me feel like crap because I have not been feeling great physically so when I do eat foods that make me feel good I do feel good and I feel good about it. And I feel good that I ate the food. Um, also when I'm not overeating or over drinking, um, collect, or sorry, connecting with friends. I do feel good when I talk to my friends. So that's sort of the, the, uh, dichotomy there. When I feel bad, um, I feel bad that I'm not connecting with my friends. I feel like I'm a bad friend. Uh, and then I don't feel like calling them because I'm a bad friend. Uh, and I just, you know, Feel like it might be awkward and it never is. And I know that once I push past that or when my friends reach out to me, I always feel hundred percent better. Um, when I stay off social media last weekend when I was doing that little, uh, Instagram, uh, detox, I felt awesome. And I'm usually not on Facebook that much because I just kind of hate Facebook. So that's not really a big place for me, but I do have a really bad habit of, I have a, an Instagram Twitch, you know, like Whenever I'm waiting in line or when I have a minute to myself, I'm always on there scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. It's terrible. Um, When I'm working in flow, and that's for me, like writing or creating, like even in this moment right now, talking to you on this podcast, I'm looking at notes. But really, this is coming straight from my heart and it feels really good and I enjoy recording it. Um, When I'm playing with my dogs or walking with my husband, we do our little walk and tacos on Sundays. Uh, We haven't been doing as much lately, but um, that always makes me feel good. And funny enough, um, I love doing solo walks around my neighborhood. um, And especially when I'm listening to personal finance podcasts, which might sound a little odd, but um, let me just take a pause and tell you why I love personal finance and minimalism podcasts. There is a theme within that subject, genre, um, group of, you know, community of people online that talk about personal finance. And I'm not talking about, you know, what are the best stocks this week? I'm talking about, you know, the fire community, um, financial dependents, retire early, or even just financial independence community. Folks that are extremely intentional around the way they spend money, which is not to say that they're super cheap or frugal, even necessarily, but intentional. Um, same thing with minimalism, people that are very intentional about what they purchase, what they bring into their homes, what they say yes to and no to and... And how they spend their time. I find those podcasts very soothing because the undercurrent and the theme to all of them is enoughness. I have enough. I am enough. The world is enough. My life is enough. I have enough clothes. I have enough money. I have enough food in the fridge, which we, most of us in North America do. Um, some of us don't. I recognize that, but the majority of us do, and we're still feeling like we don't have enough. And IG, for me, that's like a, a not enough trigger, uh, because everybody's got like some new cute sweater that I don't have, and I need to have it because it's so cute on them. And then I get it and it doesn't look the same on me. Or I haven't, you know, posed, per- I'm actually going to wear the sweater in real life as opposed to just, you know, posing in front of a camera or in front of a mirror, you know, for two seconds in an awkward pose that makes the article of clothing look great. And then you would return it because you wouldn't actually wear that sweater yourself. And I know I'm picking on fashion bloggers a lot right now, but I think you know where I'm going with that. Like, I love any sort of content or discussion around, you know, how do we look at what we already have and work with it and not always be searching for more or trying to be more because that just makes me tired and it makes me feel bad about myself. Um, So that's a short list of things that make me feel good or as I like to call the instruction manual for operating a Karen. Not to be confused with, you know, the Karen of 2020, I am not that Karen. (laughs) But anyway, the takeaway there is that I'm happiest, if I look at all of the things that I just mentioned, oh, first of all, if I look at all the things that I mentioned that make me feel miserable, it's usually when I'm passively, uh, when I'm being passive, like scrolling Instagram, not working out, not calling friends, overeating or over drinking, like, so I'm I'm passive, I'm not present, and um, when I feel like I'm out of control, Those are all feelings that make me feel bad. Um, I feel good when I'm in control, when I'm being intentional, when I'm being active, when I'm in motion, especially with yoga, walking, working out, um, and when I'm being present. That is really the key. So I encourage you to make a list like that. I think it's really important. And I think that you're gonna find similar themes. Look for themes and things that make you feel like crap and things that make you feel good. And again, there's a big difference between things a list of things that you enjoy doing versus a list of things that makes you feel good. And I want to make that distinction because sometimes I enjoy flaking on the couch and watching Real Housewives. Sometimes I enjoy taking a 10 minute break to catch up on stories. It doesn't necessarily make me feel good. Actually, if you've watched like raise your hand if you've watched a, like an episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey and felt like crap afterwards because it's just so toxic. Then it makes you feel gross, right? So we can enjoy doing it in the moment, but we know it doesn't make us feel good. Just like eating an ice cream cone or having a second glass of wine. Those things may feel good in the moment, but they don't feel good afterwards. They don't inherently make you feel better about yourself. So be very intentional with that list and make your own operational manual of these are the things that you don't want to do because you're going to break the you. And this is what you want to do to, you know, maintain and have a long-lasting shelf life of the you. Um, I hope you like that little analogy there. Y'all know that I love to make fitness a habit and the way that I do that is to work out at home. My workouts are fun, easy to get to and they're efficient. I get them done in 30 minutes and I get great results. I do it all on the Beach Body On Demand app. I do it in my basement so I just roll out of bed. It doesn't matter how hideous I look, I go down there and I get it done and I feel so much better for the rest of the day and I get results. Now you can try this too, especially if you're a beginner and you're intimidated to go to a gym. This is a great way to dip your toe in the fitness water and if you're an expert or somebody who really loves working out like me, then you're going to find all kinds of advanced workouts on the application as well. There's over 700 different programs on this app and you can get it all for free for 14 days using the link in my show notes. So head to the show notes now, click on the Beachbody On Demand app, free 14 day trial and get started today. And who knows, you may just fall in love with fitness. now we're going to get into something really cool and interesting that I learned about um, recently. So I first learned about this tangentially in the book, uh, ADHD 2.0, written by Dr. Um, Howell, Halloway. I can't, oh, I'm terrible at names, but the book is called uh, ADHD 2.0. And it's written by a doctor who is a specialist in ADHD and also has ADHD. And if you're saying to me right now, Karen, I don't have ADHD, don't worry about it. What I'm about to share with you has tangentially something to do with ADHD, but most of us have this trait and it's probably something you've never heard of before. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you like the very basic high level because I'm not a neuropsychologist, but I'm going to give you enough to go Google more if you're interested in learning more. So one of the things that makes us feel shitty is when we ruminate. Some of us are more inclined to ruminate more than others. Those of us who get into rumination and can't get out of it, and I think we've all been there at some points, right? Some of us tend to do it more than others. So, um, if you can think of this um, as, well, you know what rumination is. I don't need to. I don't need to explain it. But there is a name for this trait. I don't want to call it a syndrome or a disorder or something that you're actually diagnosed with, but it is called a trait, and it's called the rejection dysmorphia sensitivity. That's what it's called. And it's basically a high sensitivity to rejection and feelings of rumination. So think of it as, as I mentioned, like a spectrum or a trait rather than a disorder. So we all have it to some degree, but uh, it's more extra prevalent in some people more than others, especially people with ADHD. So if you are somebody that has, has been diagnosed or you suspect, again, ADHD is, again, it's a, a, a spectrum. So some of us have a lot of it. Some of us don't have very much of it, but you know, you might have some of it and at point, certain points in your life, in life, it might elevate like it has for me um, in my early fifties. Um, but it's a, it's a spectrum. So that's how I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it as, you know, something that everybody could have um, and all of us deal with rumination as part of being human. But this is what, what the actual function is in the brain. So it's basically a glitch where your brain won't um, let go of negative thoughts. So there is a specific ner- network in the brain that lights up when we are in rumination. It's called the DMN system or the default mode system. It's based, so based on the word default, you can assume that when we are not intentional, our brain is going to default to this way of thinking. It is our natural way of thinking when we are not Uh, intentional or when we are not, um, in task. And there's another system that I'll talk about in a second. So this is not, this is where we go when we ruminate, but it's not all bad. This is also the place we go, um, for creativity. It is a center of creativity. So it's, um, you know, for example, when you are in the shower and you get great ideas, that is coming from your um, default network system because your brain is sort of relaxed. It's not really focused on anything. It's in that default state, but it's not in a negative state. So you get this brilliant idea. Um, But again, it's your default space where if you're not thinking creatively, you can go into rumination and some people obviously more than others. Now, um, the other network That your brain is in and it can't be lit up in two networks at once it's either uh, lit up in the dns that i just talked about the default network system or it's lit up in the tpn which is called the task positive network. This lights up when we're doing something intentional or um, like when we're in action or motion. So when we're engaged in something or in flow or just deeply focused, or when we're working out, like you're doing like a a brilliant workout that you really enjoy doing or something like that, or you're doing yoga um, and you're really sort of into it. Uh, When we're in task positive mode, we cannot ruminate right? You can only be focused, present on what you're doing in the moment. You cannot ruminate when you are in the task positive mode. So um, I want you to think about that as a clue in terms of the list we talked about earlier, the things that engaged you. Now, the minute you finish whatever you're working on, your brain shuts off task positive mode and it goes back into the default network. Uh, also when you're in task positive mode, like think about a time when you were working on a project or something like that and you were like, Ooh, this is really good. And like the writing is great and it's just flowing, right? Like whatever it is you're working on, it's like coming out of your brain and onto the page or I don't know, I always use writing, but whatever you're doing, it's, it's feeling good. And in the moment you're not really thinking about but thinking about what you're doing, you're just doing it. Then all of a sudden this little voice in your head goes, huh, that sucks. You suck you can't do this. Who the hell do you think you are? You can't do this. That is your default uh, mode network knocking on the door of your task positive network saying, hey, hey. And so um, when you have um, that high rumination, that, um, the, 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 sen- the sensitivity that I talked about earlier, Your brain, and this is indicative of people with ADHD, has a tendency um, to want to switch to that uh, default. It wants to take you out of it. So you've got to really be uh, intentional about where your brain sits. I hope that makes sense. Again, I'm trying to talk about neuropsychology and I'm not a neuropsychologist. Um, So the interesting side note is whether or not you have ADHD, culturally, we are spending less and less time in the task positive network, because we are spending way too much time looking at screens, we become extremely passive in our lifestyle. So the default uh, mode network, uh, ergo, if you're, you know, high rumination, uh, that feeling of feeling crappy about yourself is prevalent more and more often. So, you know, If you're somebody who's flipping through IG a lot, if you're watching TV a lot, it's probably strengthening that rumination like default network mode, like you're staying in it longer and that's a muscle, right? So the longer you stay in it and the longer you're not um, focused on your task positive network, the stronger that default network muscle grows. However, the same is also true of the opposite. So um, your task positive network, um, is also an area of your brain that you can work on. So how do you work on it? Um, staying in those, you know, positive, um, actions that keep you engaged and keep you in flow. And of course you can't always be constantly in flow and, you know, can't always constantly be in task, right? Like your brain, you need to relax at some point. So, Obviously, your brain's going to come back to this default network at some points, but there's a lot you can do to manage flow, focus, and attention. And how do you do that? Well, what do you think? Mindfulness, right? Like, this is all going to come back to the end of the day, to meditation. You remember, have you ever seen, like, people who meditate, like, you know, these big meditation gurus? They just seem so peaceful and happy, it 's because they don't spend a lot of time in that rumination point, because even if their brain goes there naturally because you know brain chemistry is the way it is, and it probably does, they're able to gently move it away to either that sort of creative space that sort of neutral space or keep it in task positive. Um, the rumination piece the only way to get out of that you can 't take a medication for it you can't you can't necessarily change the way your brain is set up, but you can can change the way your brain is set up. It's called neuroplasticity. You're never going to get rid of rumination, but you can reduce it and manage it and control it. I think that's where I'm going with it. So when you think about it, the more mindful you are, um, the more you're working these muscles of task positive mode or, or um, like staying in sort of a neutral default network mode when you're not ruminating, um, the peace, more peaceful you're going to feel, the better you're going to feel. Uh, and to get out of rumination, by the way, um, Dr. Halwell talks about this and he says, basically, you need to just switch what you're doing. You need to get into task positive mode. So the minute you recognize that you're ruminating and very often we're ruminating without even realizing it, but the minute you do realize it, the minute you realize that you're you're in circular motion You've got to do something that engages you you've got to get into flow so whether that's jumping jacks calling a friend um you know digging a hole whatever it is that's going to literally move your body and move your brain into that tpn system is going to stop the rumination and the only way that you're going to be aware enough To do that is to meditate and obviously understand what I just told you. So you got those two networks. They can't be lit up at the same time. Task positive network is great. It's when you're in flow. It's when you're focused on what you're doing and you've got all of your attention on it. And the minute you pop out of that, you go into the default network. The default network can be just neutral and creative or it can be very detrimental. So what we wanna do is to keep it out of that detriment and rumination. And the minute you feel that rumination happening, You got to bring yourself right back into task mode. So um, I think that that is enough (laughs) to my two cent uh, psychology lesson for today. But now I want to bring this back to the question that we're addressing today, which is how to actually love yourself. Um, So I kind of talked about I don't really think that that's the question, um, and that we really want to think about how we want to feel better about ourselves. And I think. In a long winded way, I've answered that question. You know, you just kinda of get better about managing your brain and understanding your brain. And the best way to do that is to stay engaged in things or just to, to spend as much time as you can engaged in things that you love. Um and I think that's actually I wanna take that back because I think that's really hard. You know, a lot of us can't even think about things that we love, but um I know we all have things we love, like, you know, we love our families and we love, you know, hanging out with certain people, but we can't always do that. Um, And sometimes we have jobs that we hate (laughs) and I understand that. Um, But you have 24 hours in the day and you have a lot of um, self-control or a locus of control in your time and how it's spent. Some of us don't. If you have young kids, maybe you don't have a ton of time to yourself, but we all have some. And we can choose to spend it doing things that are, um, you know, make us feel good about ourselves and keep us in that task positive network. Or we can choose things that we know keep us in that default network and that tend to get us into rumination. And now you have a tool um, to understand when you're in rumination and to get how to get out of it, you know? So have a short list of things that you like to do that will distract you. For me, it's like watering my houseplants. It's the easiest thing I can do in the moment. And it's very often like when you get engaged in something that, you know, captures your attention, you forget about it, right? And then you just move on to the next thing. Or my best line of defense, which is not always... The most easiest thing to do is go to bed. <laughs> Whenever I'm feel when I'm having a crappy day and I'm like in deep rumination. And by the way, this rumination sensitivity disorder or um, rumination—I forget the name of it now—I have that like off the charts. So I have to manage my brain um, very carefully. And I think I was doing that just as a coping mechanism. But understanding this process a little bit more has been. Very, very helpful. So um, a couple of resources. I did mention ADHD 2.0 if you think you have it. Um, and again, ADHD is sort of a spectrum as opposed to a uh, you have it or you don't. Um, but if you wanna learn more about what I just talked about with the um, two brain networks, and you wanna hear about it from a layman like me who may, probably has a little bit, or a laywoman I should say, who has a little bit more um, grasp around it than what I've given you, um, Tracy Exuka, I think her last name is. I'm so bad at names. Anyways, she has a podcast called ADHD for Smart Ass Women. And again, it's geared towards women who have ADHD, but a lot of the things that she talks about are really tools for um, helping you focus. And I think a lot of us are struggling with focus because of the world we live in. Um, So Anyway, she has a podcast episode on this. It's episode 117, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes that accompany this. So, whatever app you're listening to this on, you'll see like there's a show note area. I'll put the link in there and go listen to that because she talks about it a little bit more eloquently than I did. I literally just wrote this this morning because I'm just at the beginning stages of learning all about this stuff, and I find it fascinating. And I also find it very encouraging that. You know, our brains are things that we can control and manage some of the time, most of the time. Those of us with mental illness that have kind of moved past the point of, you know, just being able to manage this with meditation obviously need more help than what I can give you. But, you know, if you're open to meditation and other mindfulness practices like um, yoga or just keeping, you know, the headphones out of your ear and putting the phone down and stop scrolling Instagram and just you know, appreciate the world that's the, the in light in real life world that's around you, you're, you're immediately taking steps to make yourself feel better. And if you can make that list of how to operate yourself in the task positive network, and you know, a couple of easy things you can do when you get into rumination, you're going to find that you feel a lot less crappy about yourself and you will have answered that question. How do I love myself? Or how do I learn to love myself? Um, in a far more tangible way um, than take a bubble bath and get a pedicure, which I just, I find those sort of like ridiculous response, not ridiculous, but I find those things to be um, extremely obvious and unhelpful because that's just taking a bubble bath. Um, So anyway, I hope that was helpful. If it was, feel free to reach out to me on the gram at uh, uh, underscore the fit habit and let me know. Um, But I also encourage you to spend time on the gram very intentional and I do recommend taking like weekend cleanses from it. It was so peaceful. And um, for meditation, uh, I recommend uh, the Insight Timer app. It is I think it's on Android and um, iOS. Um, it's free and they have amazing, 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 um, meditations on there. And most mornings during the week, I do share the meditation that I do, um, on my stories. Um, I'm trying to keep my stories very minimal, trying not to look at stories very much, but I do want to use Instagram for what it's really good for. And that is, um, connecting over things that are important, um, building community and, uh, sharing resources. So on that note, I'm signing off for the week. I hope this was helpful and I will talk to you next week, most likely. (laughs) Have a good one, guys. You guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Fit Habit. I would love, love, love to hear from you. So please, if you enjoyed the show, leave a five-star review. Apparently, that's helpful. Um, But more importantly, I would love to connect with you. So head on over to Instagram and find me at underscore thefithabit. That's my handle. And I would just love to get to know you a little bit better. So reach out to me there. Say hi. And thanks again for listening.